0: We are going to be going on an emotional roller coaster today because as we were preparing for the episode, I bought these Twizzlers with this really thick, sugary, gelatinous inside. Just complete diabetes directed or injected directly into your body. And uh, I'm going to ride that sugar high for, I think, maybe the first 30 minutes of this episode. I got a couple left and I'm already feeling pretty good, but I don't. You got the.
1: That uh, that high fructose corn syrup high.
0: Yeah, I used to work with a guy who we had, for some reason, I think his aunt bought him, I forget what it was, like his mother-in-law or something, bought him a package of like 500 Werther's, the caramel candy. And he just put it inside. 500? An, yeah, 500, a gigantic package of just hundreds of them. And he just put it inside of a gigantic filing cabinet in between where all of our desks or cubicles were. And there are just some days where it was just stressed out or whatever, and all of us would have something like fifty of them each, you know, and then just you'd feel great for two hours, and then you just want to fucking die. It's worse it's worse than the worst hangover you've ever had in your life. Uh, so I'm in, in the oh my God. And he's the listener, so I'm sure he'll he'll be laughing at it and appreciating this, but I um in in that spirit I'm I'm eating these Twizzlers, which are called Fini Torcidas Rellenas. Which I don't know what that means, um, and apparently, de fruta." I don't know what that means. I guess there's some kind of fruit juice, but I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> uh, anyway, in any event, I, that kind of had me thinking, uh, and also about what we're going to be talking about on today's show. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, and assume it kept its, you didn't get sick of it. Or actually, no, assume you did get sick of it, but you still were only allowed to eat one thing, so you might as well enjoy it for a month or so. What would be the one thing that you would eat for the rest of your life? Assuming all n- nutritional and uh, content was given to you, like it was what you would use to sustain yourself, what would you eat?
1: Are, okay, are we talking about, like, a simple staple thing? Because when you originally posed this question to me, I thought of something, like, very, like, cooked and nice. But are you talking about, like, no, let's is just it like, like either I, I, rice or beans? This is
0: a fantasy one, so let's do something. Okay, yeah, actually, this is fun. Let's do both. What's something – and <laughs> okay. the, the cooked and nice thing is something that it never gets old, right? You defy – they they give you a pill once a week and you don't get tired of it. It resets your biology or whatever. I, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> as longtime listeners will know. But – So there's that, and then what's the one basic staple food where you get a multivitamin in this, and that's it for the rest of your life?
1: So like my favorite food that I wouldn't mind eating for the rest of my life is Indian curry. I just I love it, and I yeah I would eat it every day if I could. I mean my my wife and I have different perspectives about this, and I think I'm the weird one, but uh, I. I have a lot of tolerance for, like, eating the same thing over and over again. Yeah, me too. And that is, like, one of my favorite things. So I would love that.
0: You know, I never – curry is the one thing I kind of got over – I never got into. Every time I've had Indian food, I thought, oh, this is pretty good. But I never thought to myself, oh, I should go back there really soon. Uh, So I I can't even imagine. Fucking love it. can't even imagine doing that. But what I – for me, I don't know. It would either be sushi or it would be the pretzel you get at the mall. You know, it's just covered in butter, and only when it's fresh. Oh, those are good. Yeah, yeah. If I could just eat that in perpetuity, and <laughs> like get...
1: when it's warm. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
0: There's a great Louis C.K. bit. I guess he got canceled, but he has a good bit about going to the cinnabon at the airport and eating the last one at the end of the day when it's almost it's become like fused to the metal, and the person refuses to. <laughs> refuse. Like, Sir, I cannot serve this to you. I, I took an oath.
1: You have to like <laughs> scrape it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very funny,
0: but so no, not like that, but. If you roll out just at the right time, right when they bring it out of whatever they, however they cook it, and put it under the heat lamp, if I could eat that for the rest of my life, that would be delicious. Um,
1: so, uh, okay, what would be your staple, like your your commodity that you would eat for the rest of your life?
0: I always find white rice satisfying. Dude, me too. You know, I, I usually, yeah, I really like rice. I eat I eat brown rice because it's healthier or whatever. It's and I'm trying to stave off the diabetes for a couple extra years uh, to kind of balance out these Twizzlers that I'm eating right now. But probably white rice. What about you? If you had to, you know, if you're, if you're going full prepper. Sorry, is, is is that coming up? Is that noise picking up on the mic? Uh,
1: yes, yes, that noise is picking up. Okay,
0: next time you're doing an important you're- monologue, I'll get the next piece.
1: Okay, good. Uh, my. I would have, like, can we have two? Like, rice and beans. I wouldn't mind eating rice and beans for the rest of my life. I mean, like, the salted beans. The unsalted ones, it's like eating just plain, horrible mush. This is Market Liberation Front.
0: Burton Bourne and a mouthful Henry Hazlitt. Why don't you introduce what we're talking about today?
1: Today on the podcast, we have our very most favorite podcaster. God damn it. Dude, I don't know if I want to keep this shit in the episode. <laughs> you have to. It's so funny. I will not. Come on, It's please. not funny. No one wants to listen to crinkly rappers lasted, in their ears. It lasted
0: three seconds, and that will be funny. <laughs> you know, we don't. One thing we don't do enough of is, is fuck with each other on the show. You know, we get along too well. Things have been going too easy. You know, it's like sometimes sometimes you need to set a, a trap for your wife when you get home from work where she opens a door and a bucket of water falls on her. That's how marriages stay strong, dude. I would know. So
1: I think there's a reason I'm married. <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> I don't do shit like that. <laughs> I'm still married.
0: All right. You know, two years. Come talk to me in 35. <laughs> in any event. So long time listening to the show. They're friends of Joshua Sheets. You should know who he is by now. Uh, If not, read the, I always say, read the podcast reviews for Radical Personal Finance. But this other guy, Steve Harris, (laughs) how would you, they're they're sort of, they're different, but they're kind of perfect together.
1: They are. Okay. So at the beginning, your first impression of Steve Harris is that he is like a 1000% nut job. But then by the end of the, by the way, this is a two and a half hour episode. So like, this is the work that we do for you listeners. By the end of the episode, I came to see him as—I actually find him kind of endearing, and he's he's, like—he's yeah—he's like really crazy, and he's into like this super weird, crazy stuff. But he's also just completely earnest and like completely himself, and he has none of the like, like none of the like snide, like arrogant kind of like I'm smarter than you uh, quality that. Um, Josh has and that's so like I really like Steve a lot more than I like Josh that's the way that I'll put
0: that that said Steve is not an easy guy to like he's definitely the kind of guy who you could see why he's probably been married a few times you know because a woman would, would just be like he's so he's just so energetic and he loves to solve problems and he's a perfectionist but in a fun way like in a let's make things better way and then she's married to him for three years and she just wants to you know take the exit bag
1: yeah. The, uh... Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's actually a pretty specific example of what what the dynamic of that relationship is like that <laughs> we're gonna get to. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this... but yeah. So. What we have for you today is we've listened to the whole episode for you and we've picked out just the best clips that are honestly the funniest and we're going to play them and we're going to tell you, tell you a little bit of background, maybe give a little bit of context for them. I don't know. Do you have anything to add?
0: Yeah, I guess with the episode and we'd we'd, we'd mentioned this a few episodes ago, it's what, what it's how to invest in commodities in a radical way. So the basic conceit of the episode is, okay, yeah, you can have index funds, you can have real estate. But at a base level, there is some value in investing in commodities and that doesn't mean owning shares of Exxon or BP, you know or even simply having gold bars. But this is even more radical than that. you know it's it's going beyond sort of currency or uh, security, you know uh, different you know values of and finding a broader way to value things. And uh, that's like a thousand pounds of sugar, 50 gallons of honey. Um, a million bullets kerosene whatever
1: yep we're gonna talk about so it's like if you ever you know like read the history of the 19th century you learn that it's all about like steel and coal and you know, iron and all this shit that's like kind of what this episode felt like it's like we're talking about the the staples of building america that's kind of how it feels and and like instead of saying like oh you should own some kind of etf or some like derivative that's tied to you know copper futures it's like no you should literally own bars of copper yeah that's like this guy's advice yeah
0: not bars of copper you should have you know 800 pounds of copper sitting in a field or something (laughs)
1: well no he has yeah, a lot of yeah. like the densest form is bar stock not wire not like uh, okay. not coins but like that kind of thing yeah
0: yeah so <laughs> anyway um i and so josh is a huge fan and this guy i guess he's popular he's naturally he's popular with the prepper community right the people who think that whether it's a pandemic well it turns out it wasn't a pandemic that brought down civilization uh you know or some kind of natural <laughs> disaster oh wasn't that either because we keep having those uh you know maybe whatever it is you know or it wasn't uh Uh, a crazy guy being president, you know, that didn't really change things very much. Um, Fundamentally, they think that the world is going, the the society as it exists now is going to break down and that, yeah, okay, so you you have your ETF futures. Well, good luck selling those. Good luck getting on the internet to see if they still exist when society collapses. And I guess that's sort of, this is kind of the guy who does. And you know what? I don't think I'm as opposed to this as you are. Because I think it's perfectly fine to have, you know, some food set up for yourself, you know, and to own a couple guns. I think it's a good idea, actually.
1: You know, I think that in that Steve is... He's not unlike the other, like, personal finance advice guys, in that there are, like, these grains of wisdom and truth. And then there's a lot of, like, insanity surrounding them. Right, and a very so and a strong confidence. I agree that, no like, reason. it makes sense to be prepared for for like whatever happens and like some kind of emergency. But also like you don't need a semi trailer full of bullets to do that. Yeah, although that one I I think is
0: I think that is one of the most defensible moves because that's just speculation and it's been very uh it's been very lucrative for the guy who is doing it. But anyway Yeah,
1: okay. Well we'll get to that okay.
0: So uh I guess but the best part is about this guy is he really there's just something he he seems to understand how people work, you know, and he has clearly he has friends and he's a, he's a very intelligent guy. I think he said he used to be he used to work for uh he was a engineer for was it like Ford or GM in the 90s doing yeah. energy stuff, which is not a you know, that's not an idiot job. Um but he, yeah. he's not really good with people. Why don't you roll Clippo too? Uh, this is after Josh spends about 10 minutes introducing him and talking about how great he is and how he loves all of his books and his ideas and they've really helped shape his opinions about, uh, prepper
2: stuff. I want to obliterate something that you mentioned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's his open. Literally,
1: the first thing that he says when Josh is done talking is, I want to obliterate something that you just said. Yeah,
0: and I guess Josh said that he has an opinion, and he goes on this rant about how you don't have an opinion, you have experience, you have life. And he's like, People who disagree with you, they have opinions. Which, whatever, yeah, I right. guess
1: you know. And wh- why don't you? Write yeah, it's like kind of a weird, like philosophical conversation. Yeah,
0: which I guess, but I don't know. I think a lot of people have had similar experiences. Oh, yeah, and his example is like you don't have an opinion about living on cash. You have the experience of selling every single one of your equities and having nothing but cash.
1: <laughs> it's like,
0: oh yeah, what a great experience to have! Is just to let a bunch of cash. So
1: so. <laughs> Maybe since we're we're still introducing Steve, we should run oh uh, four and oh five. Yeah, wait, wait,
0: wait. wait, 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 no, no, let's go. Let's go one. T- like this is one of Josh's. Uh... Ah, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right, you're right, Here, here's this is a a little look into his personal life. You know what what it's like to be with this guy day to day.
2: My ex-wife, I drive me crazy. Every time I turn around, I go, where's the jelly? It was in the frickin' refrigerator! (laughs) not
0: not a big fan of people who use the refrigerator when they don't need to. Because I guess sugar is a preservative.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's very adamant that, like, you do not need to refrigerate jelly because it's full of sugar and it won't mold. And, like, I remember I took biology class or whatever, and I learned this, and I was like, oh, that's cool. You don't need to refrigerate jelly, but... I have also had jelly in the refrigerator for a long time and it grows mold in it. So I don't completely understand the disconnect
0: there. Right, right. And uh, I, do, you, do you put your ketchup and mustard in the fridge? I feel like that's another divide between people.
1: Oh, I guess I do, but I've never really thought about it. I've, for the first time in my life, I left
0: it out, but that's because it's like forty fucking degrees in my in my kitchen right now. It's so fucking cold <laughs> here, so I don't care. But I know there are also other people who leave the butter out, which I don't do. But whenever I've done, it, I'm like, damn, this is pretty good. It's really easy to spread, and it's clearly fine. <laughs> but I feel like when you, when you get when my my theory about this is when you get um mold or something, it's because like. You put a contaminated knife into it, you know, like you touch the end with yeah. your fingers, or you touch something else, and you introduce That happens with my cheese sometimes. If I if I pull, pull the cheese out of the bag with my hands, in two days there's mold, even if I wash my hands before I cooked. But if I empty it out of the bag without touching it, it lasts much longer. So maybe that's the difference. Um, but he's also the important. The other important thing about him is he's not racist.
1: No, he's definitely not racist. Listen to this clip
2: and uh and she's Chinese yes yeah, so I'm a Chinese housekeeper
1: did you hear that did you hear how he pointed out she was Chinese twice in four seconds <laughs> And I think he
0: does it another three or four times in the following minute although I'm not totally sure <laughs> but I guess that he also had a jelly dispute with her as well
1: yeah so he, he also it's like all the women in his life he like yells at them for their stupid refrigeration decisions
0: <laughs> yeah so pretty cool guy um, and he, I mean, he has lots of okay. So it's not just women in his life. He also has other people who, uh, you know, businessmen, people of, of trades. So like he, he talks about how he's like, I have a guy who works at um, what, what is it called a a what a, what a, a steel refinery? No, it's a steel a mill. scrapyard. Yeah, yeah. He's got a scrapyard guy. He knows a guy who makes steel. Uh, and then he also he he has a guy who sells him barrels to store all of his shit in.
2: Oh, I know. I got a guy I buy barrels Who and doesn't. drums from.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't these days have a guy he buys barrels and drums from? <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Um, and what, okay. <laughs> I,
1: it's Sorry. like, I mean, it, I got to say that, like, this episode, this episode is usually, like, What's so funny to me about this episode is usually Joshua Sheets like sees himself as like the alpha of the conversation. And he's like he's kind of lords his like ownership of the podcast and like his knowledge about finance, just like lords it over whoever he's talking to and including the listener i would say but like what's great about steve is that like he cannot do that to steve like steve does not give a fuck about what josh says and like most of this episode is just steve like ranting about things yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah anytime yeah. anytime that josh tries to steer the conversation in like a direction that he wants to go is steve it... is just like oh yeah, yeah yeah whatever but let me talk about like <laughs> let me talk about how you store ammo <laughs> yeah yeah
0: he's like he's you know he'll be like He'll be like, uh, "I really want to talk to you about uh, toilet paper and the stock market." You play play that one with uh, Josh, comparing the value of toilet paper to the stock market.
1: It's very hard to predict what's going to happen with a okay, financial sure. portfolio, an investment Perfect, portfolio yeah. during a period Fine. of inflation. There are different times where portfolios are affected differently. But it's not difficult to predict what's going to happen with the value of a stockpile of toilet paper <laughs> that I have in my backyard.
0: <laughs> and I think, I think at this time he's, he's like, yeah, I agree with you. And then he just starts talking about waffle makers.
2: yeah
1: so yeah so here's here's a good example of the the waffle maker conversation
2: no a waffle maker is the fastest food production machine you're pretty much going to find (laughs) josh could make uh two and a half pounds of food every three minutes. <laughs> but
1: By the way, he clarifies in the episode he does not have coronavirus. Yeah,
0: yeah right after he coughs, yeah. He, he definitely, there. he's got something. That guy does not sound very healthy. And the, the one photo of him on the internet is clearly from the 1990s. And it's like, oh, that's the best photo you found of yourself. Oh, boy. <laughs> but again, I don't know, this guy's been married. I haven't. Uh, so he clearly, this guy
1: he's the guy he's who knows a, but like he, he has, so actually i realized with him there's like this mix of he's like there's the whole like commodities investing inflationary hedge thing where it's like you know buy commodities as a way to invest your money there's like that aspect and then there's also the survival aspect so it's like in addition to that he knows all this shit about uh waffle makers and generators and so
0: Clearly, we, you know, now you know who Steve Harris is, and you should already know who Josh Sheets is. And like you said, it, it's a mix of survivalism and investments. But I do, I do think that there is some value um, of having a small portion of your overall portfolio, maybe 5% in kind of crazy investments that, are, that you could afford to lose, but that could pay well, right? Or it could just be average. Yeah, right? I think it's it maybe even less, maybe 2 or 3%, whatever you're comfortable with especially once you've hit a certain level. Do you agree with that basic idea?
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense from a diversity point of view. Yeah, It think, makes sense to have to have random things. I don't know if I have like the patience or the interest in like, oh, I should make sure that 2% of my portfolio is in gold or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but let's like, say I don't know if I care enough to do it, but I think the concept is sound. Yeah, like
0: let's say you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars between your 401k and, you know, all your cash savings or whatever. You know, and you want to, and you see that Bitcoin collapses. Maybe put five k into Bitcoin and just see what happens. If you did that this year, you'd be up one thirty seven percent. You know, (laughs) you'd be up more than hundred percent. But at some point, I would like to buy Bitcoin just for that reason, and because I would just accept, okay, this is ten thousand dollars I will never see again. But maybe because of some (laughs) insane run, it'll go to fifty k. You know what I mean? Uh, So the the question though becomes. What what can you do besides, if you're getting out of securities, you're getting out of real estate, and he goes through a whole list of shit that either, one, you might just enjoy having for yourself, or two, if you live, I mean, for us, it doesn't apply, because we don't have big houses, but if I lived where my parents lived, I mean, why not just buy salt one time and never buy it again, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if, well, that's, the space constraint is a big one uh, for me, and obviously we've talked about this a lot, but... I feel like if you live in a place where land is cheap and you have a lot of it, it sure it makes sense to like say, okay, I'm going to buy this thing that never ever goes bad. I'm going to buy a gigantic quantity of it because it's the cheapest and just use it for the rest of my life. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, If you,
0: if you can just spend $50 on salt and then never have to buy salt again, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, you know, but, but anyway, so I think we should just kind of go down the list and we have about 1920 things here of different things that he's into. And the first one should start a little conversation about all kinds of other stuff you can make, so.
1: Okay,
2: here you go. The other thing you can do with sugar is you can make moonshine. And I have an entire instructional video on this. It's very easy. No, you don't need to have the pot and the still. I mean, the the device I use is basically a simple, looks like a coffee maker.
1: Would you ever moonshine? Yeah, you don't
0: drink, and uh, I'm trying to lose weight. Well, I always do my New Year's resolution starting on December 1st, so I'm a month ahead of all the other assholes.
1: Oh, smart. Yeah.
0: um, I remember your mom one time told me her New Year's resolution is to survive for the next year, and that she's. (laughs) <laughs> She's like I'm fifty for fifty like... or whatever, she told me.
1: <laughs> That's definitely something she would say. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, my mine is to to smooth to slim down a bit. So I'm 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 off the alcohol for at least the rest of the year. I'll probably break down during the holidays when I'm hanging out with my family. Um, but I,
1: so after he's oh, I was gonna it. say after he says this, he explains how like specifically he makes moonshine and. I guess you could watch the instructional video, but basically he, like, makes it out of... He takes pure, like, granulated sugar, like, mixes it with yeast. He's basically, like, making ethanol. And then he says that you need to put it in water bottles and make sure you mark the top so that you know which ones are water and which ones are alcohol. (laughs) And then the benefit of having that stockpiled is that when the apocalypse happens... You can trade them for other things to people because other people will really want your your moonshine. And I
0: think later he says you can use... You can do it as a disinfectant as well. I don't know if it's the moonshine. Oh, Yeah!
1: Or- yeah, this that was actually really interesting because he was like, if you have pure, if you if you have Everclear, he like recommends that if you're not going to make your own moonshine, you can I guess buy Everclear. You can use it as a disinfectant. You can get drunk on it, both for fun and also as an anesthetic if you're badly hurt, which is an <laughs> example that he gives. Yeah, and if you have the proper stove, you can use it as a stove fuel.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. See, that's the thing is, when I was listening to. Uh, Jacob Lund Fisker on Radical Personal Finance. That was three hours, not two and a half. And his whole thing is... He he says, yeah, that's okay. it's okay. It's a good idea to have some stocks and maybe buy a house or whatever. He says, but you need to invest in skills. He's like, I stopped reading. He said, I stopped reading books because I feel like I've attained pretty much more or less the knowledge that I need. Now I'm focused on things like <laughs> learning how to fix my faucet. And... This is sort of an extension of that. And, you know, and they talk about systems, you know, like perma, uh, what is it, permaculture, where you have, you know, you have trees. And then when the trees get cut down, you plant them so you can grow bananas. And then when those are cut down, you know, and everything is recycled and you have your own uh, water system, water collection system and shit like that. And it's, I guess, I don't know, sure, you know, I, I don't think that's really necessary. But it wouldn't hurt if you knew how to make moonshine when the world collapses, I guess. I mean unless you're bad at it. Oh, and...
1: actually he's he's very clear that you should not make the moonshine after the world collapses. Oh, only really? before. Yes, because the energy to make it is significant because you have to boil water, I think, and he's like that is a terrible use of energy and uh, only if you have access to like a lot of cheap hydroelectric would I consider making moonshine. What if you like live next so, to a forest? You got to make it, Can't it all you before.
0: Just boil it under a fire. <laughs>
1: No, but you need the firewood for... I don't know, man. I, a, he has I'm a very saying, specific idea of what the apocalypse is like, and I have no idea what it's like, so <laughs> okay. I can't really defend his point yeah, of view. Yeah, well,
0: if you're not one of these absolute lunatics, uh, you can also... I know some people, They may I, I have a cousin in Poland who he has access to sort of the cherries that aren't good enough to sell to a store. His friend has a cherry orchard, and so he just gives him... 50 pounds of cherries for free every year. And they're, they're absolute dog shit. You can't eat them. Uh, but then he, he puts them in these gigantic 50 liter tubs in his basement and he makes cherry wine out of them. It's pretty good. Um,
1: yeah, that's a great idea. You know,
0: and, uh, and he, you know, and he says, he's like, I don't know. The cost for me is basically the sugar and, you know, a couple other things. He's like, he's like, so I make about a hundred liters for 10 bucks. (laughs) you know oh that's cool <laughs> yeah
1: that's this is like a perfect like Steve Harris thing cause not only is he about like obtaining all this weird stuff but he's all about getting a deal on it too it's always yeah, like yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like he explains how he has like 400 gallons of diesel fuel that he got because like someone he knew had to get rid of a diesel generator and they had to get rid of the fuel and he like he was like I'll just take it for free like so <laughs> many of his stories are like that where someone like looked at something as trash and he was like because like no normal person would be like yeah I'll take 400 gallons of diesel fuel but he will
0: the uh I, this kind of it makes me think you know all of the young people there they've left facebook and they've gone to instagram right I don't know anyone who uses facebook on a regular basis I'm not friends with anyone I mean I have But the thing is, I guess I'm friends with my aunt or whatever, you know, but I don't know anyone in my day-to-day life who uses it. And sometimes I wonder, how is Facebook still so influential if I don't know anyone who uses it? And the reason is people like Steve Harris are super on Facebook and they love meeting people. He loves Facebook. They love meeting people on Facebook who are into, you know, having diesel generators and extra fuel to give him. And that's why this fucking website still exists. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: yeah. And he talks a lot about Facebook marketplace as a way to find people who are getting rid of like weird old things that no normal person would want. It's like replacing Craigslist, basically. Yeah,
0: I mean, we should get on. we should I think we should definitely spend more time mining social media for insane shit because there has to be some of that I would <laughs> love to join one of these prepper groups and just read the comments out loud. Uh, it's pretty, yeah.
1: you know, I, dude. I bet you can find out whatever when Steve is on. Yeah, it, dude, in that I way.
0: read the comments in you know ex- newspapers that are very expensive to subscribe to, and holy shit, those comments compared to. You know, those comments are fucking insane. And now I think about what what would they look like in Facebook, which is free and it's for (laughs) progress. you know? All right. So you can now maybe you can make moonshine. I think that's a little much because you risk going blind, but making beer for yourself, making wine for yourself. I think that's pretty cool. So I give a let's do this. I give a thumbs up to this. This is useful advice. Learn how to make alcohol for yourself. That could be cool and fun to do.
1: Yeah. Fun little hobby. All
0: right. Now, what about buying a thousand pounds of sugar?
1: (laughs) Oh, he's got thoughts about that.
2: The easy button is just buy the damn sugar at Walmart or Costco. No one's going to look at you twice for (laughs) buying 500 pounds or a thousand pounds of sugar. Besides, just make up a little company, do a DBA, and call it uh, Joshua's Hard <laughs> Candy and Sweets.
1: So, first first he's like, no one's going to act weird if you buy 500 pounds of sugar from Costco. And then he's like, well, if you're worried about it, you can just make up a fake business called, like, a fake candy business and use that as the name to buy the sugar. He's
0: <laughs> like, sure. I mean, okay. The thing is, I don't make... Um, I don't I, – I guess I use sugar when I – only really the only time I cook – I don't make – I don't bake – I don't do baked goods. I cook a lot. I cook every day basically and I almost never use sugar. I guess because it, it's so often added to shit or if I want a sweetness, I'll just use honey. I The only time I do it is sometimes I mix brown sugar in when I'm making sauces for Chinese food. Do you use sugar?
1: Yeah, rarely. And, like, sauces for Asian food are kind of the only times I use them in cooking. I've gotten into baking a lot more, so I've been using a lot more sugar. But that's, like, the okay. only thing you need it for.
0: Yeah, so if you had... If you finally flee uh, and you're with uh, Diego de la Vega... Because, yeah, this one's coming out after the Diego episode. Uh, if, you, if you're if you with Diego de la Vega and you have a ranch or some shit, and you have all this space in South Carolina, and you can have a barn to store all of your stuff... Yeah, I guess you could have... a. A thousand pounds of 500 pounds of sugar that you got from Costco or whatever. Is that what he says the best place to buy it?
1: Yeah, Walmart or Costco.
0: Huh. I didn't know. I didn't realize they sold that much at Costco. I would expect them to sell 20 pounds or something, you know. (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, so I guess so I mean I think you could buy it if you're buying a thousand pounds I feel like you could buy it from a supplier or something to Costco but who knows in any event who knows? um, I don't know I think there's something to be said for I don't think I can go on that level just because I don't you would probably use a thousand pounds of sugar throughout the course for the rest of your life for the next 50 years would that be 20 pounds a year there's no way you would use 20 pounds a year though
1: no I have a bag of like like two pounds and i've had it for a
0: long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember i went through yeah i, I was cooking every i, I don't know I, during the lockdown it's all about prepping i used i bought uh, i think a pound of sugar and i used or sorry about a pound of salt and i used just about all of it by the end of the lockdown cooking for two people for two months and that was probably and i and i think some of it was probably wasted because a lot of times i would put it in my hand and then throw it in the soup and then the the steam would stick some of it to my hand. You know, but that was like the most salt I will ever use and that was half a, po- <laughs> a pound or half a pound maybe over 2 months.
1: Okay.
0: And that's salt though. I don't know. So I, but I, for him the 1000 so, pounds is being able to have it I guess, right? And to barter it to the peasantry. I don't know. I'm th- yeah, I'm thumbs yes, down. I'm thumbs that's, down on 1000 pounds of sugar.
1: I'm a thousand pounds of sugar, same. So that's a good segue into a point that he often makes, which is that when the the theoretical disaster happens, uh, it's not so much that like you need money. What you really need is like the stuff that he's telling you to have, so like the sugar, the moonshine, the salt, the flour, you know, blah blah blah. Um, one thing that he does not recommend is gold. Mm-hmm. And listen to the clip
2: about why. And uh, the whole idea of, like, oh, well, in 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 a disaster, I'm going to go take my gold and silver and trade it for a loaf of bread. <laughs> no, you're not!
0: I, I imagine he's had this conversation a few times. <laughs> I remember I met him. So I met an insane... He prepper. does
1: not believe in saving gold and silver as currency for the apocalypse. Yeah, that is a clear no. I think
0: he would be fine with He's like, look, you want to buy... Some gold coins or whatever, and speculate on them. Whatever, fine. But don't, don't have that use. Don't use that. Remember that guy who, he. I don't, dude, we didn't tell him about the pod. No, no, because this was pre-pandemic in in February when I when I when we had that uh-huh. football party. Was that no no football season uh-huh. was over. Oh, you know, we were watching the XFL. And that that guy I knew yeah. who's older. Uh, he worked in shipping. You remember he came and he was talking to us about financial independence.
1: Oh, and, I remember. That
0: guy I remember. was insane. And he's a hes a—he's a nice guy. I'm more of his brother's friend, but he's always been very nice to me. But he's one of those people who uh, we very quickly established to him that we understand what index funds are and the 4% rule. But he just kept explaining what they were to us as if we'd never heard of it uh-huh. before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember before, before he got into more mainstream FI, he used to be a prepper too. two. I would go to their house and he's like, yeah, here's my AR-15. Ten thousand rounds, you know. He's he, he just have and he had you know buckets filled with grains and rice and shit, and uh, and he's like and
1: MREs. He talked a lot about MREs. Yeah, too. yeah, he was
0: into MREs. And then he, and then I remember one time though he's like he's like when the, you got to be ready for when this shit collapses, man. Because when you when you meet someone, it's gonna be. It's gonna be gold, water, or your daughter, and you gotta make your decision, man. What you're gonna sell? And I'm like, holy fuck, man! <laughs> <laughs> this is what at a time when I was mildly interested in in preparedness, not full on world collapse, but you know, I stocked up on canned foods and shit like that. But yeah, I, and I, I guess that does make sense, though. I can't imagine. I think gold is something that comes a hundred years after. Let's say there actually is a zombie apocalypse. Obviously, there won't be, but once the world reorganizes into you know city states or whatever that start to trade with each other i could see gold <laughs> at that point perhaps as a you know as before we have fiat currency you know there's some kind of metals trade where all these different city states you know with sort of the remnants of society start trading <laughs> with each other and they go they go beyond bartering okay maybe but i can't imagine if i don't think Gold would retain its use again within your lifetime if society collapsed, if that makes sense.
1: No, no, I, yeah, I I don't think so. And, um, it's at this point that he, we start getting into things that are even less practical to own. Like, okay, sure, like if you had a ton of moonshine or sugar or whatever, like in theory, you can use it. But now he starts getting into like things that are transported by rail car. Right. And this Um, is,
0: this is, I, I think, ironically the more useful aspect because if you do want to start speculating on commodities this is stuff you should actually be doing because the the return on speculating on sugar is not going to be the same as speculating on lead for example or the the potential return is that i don't know yeah i think so um
1: definitely i want to point out how like lead holds a special a special place in like his his thought process about this because i most of the clips i saved a lot of clips about lead and i kind of want to just play all of them at this point yeah let's roll it okay so here's the first one
2: actually for some professional work i've done i got some 80 pound ingots of lead (laughs) they're not that big and darn are they (laughs) are they heavy but uh and actually the funny thing is when you get above the 80 pound ingot you get into thousand pound blocks of lead they're called sows like um okay uh, cool pig. okay all right <laughs> so
1: then once you have your thousand pound sows of lead what do you do with them
2: <laughs> the idea of just putting um a million pounds of lead that's a million dollars in money out in the farm field just in a pile you know that's the storage <laughs> method okay, for so- it
0: let's say you have a farm you're growing crops i guess you put them downstream from where the water would flow right because you wouldn't want <laughs> <laughs> just, just like having a million pounds of lead near where you live is not a good storage <laughs> strategy i don't know again i'm not a scientist i didn't you know i don't have an engineering degree i'm not as analytical as he is but it seems like lead is one of the things you really don't want to store near you anywhere
1: near you <laughs> he they do not touch on the safety aspect of lead at all, at any point. Yeah, just,
0: like, I just imagine him, like, playing. He's like, oh, yeah, look, I gave this five-pound ingot of lead to my my uh, nephew to play with. Like, <laughs> keeps chewing on <at> it. <laughs> what the fuck? I, mean, I would say maybe if you have, like, a storage yard or something where you could leave your lead, I guess. I don't know. Is it, were there any more clips about sense. lead?
1: Yeah, there's an there's another one where uh, Josh gets a little bit interested, and uh, and Steve tells him he's got the hookup.
0: If I'm going to buy eight hundred thousand dollars worth of lead, I'm going to put eight 800- hundred. And guess
2: what? Guess what? I can actually, right now, Josh, I can actually have you call a place, and one of the places called Dole Run. I can actually have you call Dole Run. You can wire them eight hundred thousand dollars they will send you 20 semi-trucks full of <laughs> lead
0: <laughs> the seriousness was what she's saying it and the pride in his voice <laughs> like, like, I'm not fucking around I will send you 20 semi-trucks filled with lead I would be so pissed if I was a semi-driver and I'm like oh what's, what's the load it's a, it's a bunch of lead dude the fuck? it's
1: so fucking heavy
0: yeah, I guess I guess lead is useful if you're making bullets or something, but well look, I think we should cut it off here cuz this is going to be a two-parter. And uh we can okay. get into uh what what let's give a let's give a little um a little preview. Get them uh get them interested. You've got uh illegal guns being easy to find, your first bucket of honey, uh making your uh, children work for the, you.
1: <laughs> the class where you learn how to you know, how to use a tourniquet on live animals. Yeah, and
0: apparently Steve gets triggered at some point. Uh, this it's, I'm really looking forward to next week. Uh, so until then, Sis Market Liberation Front. Um, that's the introduction, but it's also the conclusion. MarketLiberationFront at gmail.com. Rate the show.
1: Also subscribe. There we go. Bye.